And today's sponsor is Zestcoin. It's an excellent masternode project with an equally great use case. What? Charity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all want to make money in crypto, don't we? We all we're all looking for something, aren't we? We I mean, for me, it's it's comfort. I'm looking for comfort and I'm looking for freedom. And hopefully the money that I make in crypto will, will generate that for me. But wouldn't it be lovely, as you were doing that, to give something back along the way? Well, Zest has, has, has five designated charity pools. Uh, Rapid Relief, Scholars Club, Prosperity Pool, Club Zest and Athletic Pool, right? Masternode holders can nominate charities they feel fit each category and then the community votes on which are best and dollars will be donated to them. Additionally, Zest uses its smart growth approach to address inflation and keep the coin price high, whilst also allowing Masternode holders to earn passive income. It's great. It's got a strong development team. It's got an active community. You can go and join the Discord uh, and and join in the discussion there. Um, You can buy it on CoinExchange and Cryptopia, but you can go and learn more about the project at zestcoin.io. And I know some people listening to this podcast aren't crypto dudes. So a masternode basically is... Really simple. You buy a bunch of coins, you put them in your wallet, and then you earn more coins every month. Interest. You earn interest. So if you have a Zest Masternode, right, it would give you, according to Masternodes Pro, no, Masternodes.online, and I don't know if this is up to date, uh, a weekly income of $129 and a monthly income $554 and a yearly income of $6,700. Just for buying a Zest Masternode, it cost you two and a half thousand dollars, I think. So, ah, yeah, Zest, a new This Strange Life sponsor, and I'm just incredulous at those statistics. What a great coin, what a great team. Glad to have them as a sponsor. Love those guys. Go, go and check them out, peeps. Zest, zest.io. Sorry, Zest Coin. .io. Go and check them out, guys, at zestcoin.io. Peace. Good evening and welcome to This Strange Life. Uh, yeah, I'm Mickey. <laughs> Doing that stupid radio voice again. The conduit between the freaks and the geeks. What an intro for you there. That was a Monday, <laughs> Monday morning intro. Uh, this is Willie. Willie Delius here today. And our third wheel, as per usual. Third cog, Jimmy the Chin, a.k.a. Ryan Brebbin. Yeah, it's, I've got those, uh, got those Monday vibes feeling a little bit spasticated today. The Monday blues. Yeah, I'm feeling it too. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. I think England dumped out the World Cup. France winning it. I would, I would have been a bit happier if Croatia had won it because then at least we would have been beaten by the then uh, yeah, champions. Yeah, and nobody wants to root for France, I don't think, generally <laughs> speaking. No, what is it about French? I don't know. 
I love them. No, no, they're my best friends. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, really special guest tonight, uh, sports psychologist, martial arts and meditation guru, Phil Pierce. Welcome, Phil. How Hi. are you? Not too bad. I'm not sure I'd uh, announce myself as a guru, but uh, I've written a few <laughs> things on the subject, so I'm happy to talk. <laughs> okay, mate. Well, so how are things there in the UK? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, we've all been, I mean, I think most of Europe has been hit by this sort of bizarre heat wave at the moment, but for uh, you guys, of course, that's pretty much normal weather, but here it's uh, it's pretty abnormal, so everybody's sweating a bit. So what is it, about 23? <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> uh, it's been about 30 most days. Oh, so. nice one. So uh, everyone's yeah. been, uh, been, been sporting their T-shirt tans. Pretty much, pretty much, yeah. Any excuse in this country, a bit of sunshine, and uh, most oh, of the guys man. especially. Yeah, yeah, Phil. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've got really like pale, freckly skin, so I go red as hell. Uh, so when I get oh, a suntan, yeah. it, it's not very pretty at all. But uh, <laughs> when, uh, yeah, I, I remember when the sun came out in England, it was just such a like a glorious um, thing, wasn't it? And everyone was getting the yeah. barbecues cranked up, yeah. and you know, people really appreciate it when they don't get it very it, much. Yeah, because you know? you're from Seattle, right? Yeah, and it's so rainy most of the year. So yeah. when the sun do does come out everybody's outside you know nobody is inside on those few weeks months whatever it is as opposed to thailand yeah. where it's so nice every day you almost don't even think about the weather yeah you know? actually phil I, yeah. I think i think this is pretty good place to start actually because i think growing up in a in somewhere that's got a bit of a shitty environment weather mm. you know a bit of changing weather and if you have to shovel yeah. snow on a morning and, and and chip the ice off your <laughs> car and stuff it do, it does make men doesn't it that kind of thing don't, don't you think more hearty men and women yeah definitely i mean there's a sort of uh, a psychology behind the weather in general because of course the sun provides vitamin d which which makes us happier to a degree um but if you are going to survive in, a, in an environment or a climate which is particularly dull and overcast or raining all the time you do have to have a, a kind of a hardier constitution i think um, and that's why you find actually uh, in the Scandinavian countries, especially where it's sometimes, you know, there's no sun for weeks on end. Oh, yeah. um, they have they have unfortunately they have very high suicide rates because of depression out there. It's a real, real issue for them. Um, you know, the UK is not quite as bad as that, but uh, we do have some periods of a lot of uh, green weather. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I when I took my wife back, um, my wife's Thai. Um, yeah. No surprise. Uh, but took her back uh, in winter for Christmas a couple of years ago. And she mm. just couldn't get over like three thirty p.m. It getting dark, and then it being dark to <laughs> kind of eight a.m. Yeah. in the morning. It, it was crazy. And I said, "Darling, if you think that's bad, you know, try living above the Arctic Circle when it's just dark, sort of twenty oh, yeah. three yeah. hours a day, and that that must be horrible." Don't you think? Yeah, definitely. I've d- I mean, at the other end of the scale, of- yeah, I've done. Uh, yeah. I've been up there in the summer when I went up to Alaska, and it's light. 22 hours a day something like Such that Such a weird feeling it's, man isn't it's it? off-putting yeah, I was yeah. Say, that's just as bad. yeah yeah is yeah. that just as bad then well, well when it's just you'd have to, you'd have to really black out your your curtains otherwise it kind of fucks up with your circadian, circadian bullshit yeah, yeah that stuff yeah I, I mm. think i think there's a lot to that and phil you you touched on it a few minutes ago and uh those those people who listen to our podcast will know that i'm i'm a real uh sun worshiper uh, I like to get out there for a run uh, every day, e- even in the midday sun sometimes, because I just feel that yep. it it really... And I know there's a, obvious it gives you vitamin D, but I, I've heard it turns mm. on, like in terms of your body chemical switches, it turns on hundreds and hundreds of, of kind of 
switches or, or yeah. reactions, right? Yeah, of course, because, I mean, instinctively, as a, as a species, we are programmed to get up with the sun and, and start doing our, our life, whatever that might be, and then we're programmed to, to go to sleep or to switch off when the sun goes down. But, um, you know, TV screens and phones and, and those kinds of things have made it uh, a strange world we live in where we're constantly bombarded by this artificial light, which changes our circadian rhythm, but, but also just changes our lifestyle um, yeah. and makes people uh, have these weird rhythms where they're up at God knows what hours and, and not feeling uh, not feeling healthy. Can you do a quick definition? What exactly is a circadian rhythm? Such an interesting name. I, I've always kind of wondered exactly what is a circadian rhythm. I don't, I, well, I don't know, Phil. Phil, do, do, do you, I mean, I don't know the scientific. It out there for everybody. Yeah, I, I don't know what the scientific thing is. But Phil, do, do you want to lead this? Or I'm. Uh, yeah, again, I'd have to result uh, resort to Google to look up the scientific explanation. But my understanding is just the the rhythm of of, of ups and downs that the body uses to. Um, basically prepare itself for the day so that the hormones yeah. are, are released to, to wake exactly. you up, to get you up, yeah, and then that, the hormones sleep-inducing later on. Yeah, that's exactly what I would have said. So so it's that rhythm that your body gets into uh, in, in sort of daylight or darkness hours and, and the sort of production yeah. of melatonin or whatever the opposite is for, for being exactly, awake. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so of course in the UK as well, we have uh, not just the UK, but any countries that have uh, long winters, we get that uh, sad. They call it seasonal affective disorder, which is uh, which is you know another condition that people have to deal with. So uh, it can be difficult. Yeah, I I used to feel that man. I I just used to feel different in winter, especially when the clocks went. Was it forward or is it forward or back? Yeah, they they or fall back. Yeah, yeah, and suddenly. It's dark when you're coming home from work at 5 p.m. on a night, and it's dark. Well, it's dark at 4 p.m. or just it just life feels different. It's so brutal. Yeah, it, especially if you work an office yeah. job and you're in. Yeah. You know, you wake up, you go to work, you're inside all day. You go home and it's dark. It's yeah. just a tough lifestyle for those few months. You got to just dig deep and get through it and pray for those summer yeah. days. You know. Yeah, I and it's mean, funny because that, that daily daylight savings time was was introduced, as far as I understand it, for the farming methods, so that farmers right. could get more out of the day. But farming is such a smaller industry than it used to be, so you do wonder why they still keep it around. I wonder if there if that's mm. come up before, or if there's any wheels in motion to change that kind of thing. Because I feel like most people are city dwellers now, and, and it applies more to yeah to there, farmers, like you said. There was talk about it, though, wasn't there? I'm sure there yeah. was, yeah. Yeah, because I think there's some safety concerns, isn't there, for kids coming home from school and, and all that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I think I think it's actually, um, yeah, or uh, well, that was the counter-argument mm-hmm. I heard anyway. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's, I don't know. It'd be nice uh, if if every winter you could just F off, wouldn't it, to, to, a, to a warmer <laughs> climb. And a lot of those Scandinavians do, though, yeah. you know, the ones with money, they yeah. get out of Thailand. Dodge and come to Thailand or, <laughs> yeah. you know. But uh, <laughs> I, I remember in the 1980s, I think it was an April Fool's sort of news article, and it was uh, Good Morning TV. And uh, what they said was that the news article was they're going to use these giant magnets to pull the UK <laughs> 10 miles nearer, which is going <laughs> to increase the temperature by an average of 1.5 degrees. Things. And I'm like, fucking hell, this sounds really cool. Bob, Bob, look at this. <laughs> oh, man. I got caught with one of those with BMW. Yeah, BMW did one as well. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I do I do think that living in these colder climates, put put a bit of hair on your chest. Do, do make you a little bit more... Uh, you, like people who are in California, IA or whatever... They're like mm. notoriously a bit 
sort of wetter, aren't they? Or am I wrong then? <laughs> wetter, what do you mean? Well, in England, we say if you're wet, you're like weak. soft. Yeah, weak. yeah okay. soft, yeah. Got yeah, it, yeah. yeah. Like the, the yeah. it's like it's like eighty degrees and sunny year round in yeah, Southern California, know, yeah. and, and windy. Yeah. You know, it's perfect temperatures. In so. Yorkshire, we say you don't know you're born. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, Phil, let, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Yeah. So, right. Th- this is something I've always said to myself. Right. That you spend so much time looking after like your car, you know, like. You'll add like little skirts to your car, and and you'll you'll yeah. add like little LED lights, and and make sure it's cleaned every week, and and you know polish the shit out of it, and yeah. you know, and your house, you know, you'll you'll change the skirting boards when they need changing, or if there's a little bit of a leak in the roof, mm-hmm. you'll you'll sort it out, and and even right as far as your job, like even if you don't own the company you work for, you will spend time. Like even some some of your own time for the betterment of the company, you know, if you're a company man and all this shit. Why don't why don't we do the same with our mind and bodies? Like, why why are our meat vehicles that we that it's the only fucking meat vehicle we've got? Why why are we so complacent <laughs> about it? What is that? Yeah, there's, there's there's lots of different reasons, and and there's a different um, there's, there's obviously a difference between pride in yourself and the objects you own, and a difference between that and uh, sort of, I would say it's greed, but not necessarily greed to an extreme degree. But um, if you look at the media, uh, for example, um, I mean, the media always has a lot to answer for, whether it's movies or YouTube or TV or just, you know, the sort of celebrity culture we have these days. Um, individual achievement and individual material wealth is massively celebrated. And the things we have are celebrated more than the person we are, which is a bit of a strange world that we live in because. Um, people who have uh, a flashy car or a massive house, they are highly celebrated across social media or they are made to look very cool in movies and things like that. But in a movie, they wouldn't show someone who maybe lives in a modest house but built something for the community or someone who changed the world for a better a better place. They they really focus on the on the individual, which is a, it's a bit of a sad sad world that we live in, really. Um, and it is that culture that's sort of permeated, especially into the West, I think, um, largely because we now get slightly obsessed with um, owning stuff, with, with shiny, shiny things. And that can go into our car. We try to make our car look better to impress our neighbors or, um, you know, our peers, our friends. Um, and it can go into our house as well. It can be everything. We just want to impress people all the time. Um, but really... We shouldn't worry about that. Obviously, we should take more care um, of ourselves, of our mind and our body, which is the thing that's going to be with us longer. So It's a good point. And, you know, it's just the idea of like romantic consumerism. Like we're just so predisposed into consuming, 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 looking outwardly for happiness as opposed to kind of looking yeah. within ourselves and, you know, pulling away those distractions and, <laughs> and, and focusing on things that, you know, your body is so important. And like Mike said, you get one, mm-hmm. you only get one, you know. And most of us just yeah. let it d- deteriorate. It's just, it's yeah. sort of a backwards alignment of how things should be. Yeah. It's, um, it's quite interesting. There was, there was a study uh, from, I think it was Cornell University. And I, was, I read an article about this recently. And they were looking at what they called a happiness index. And they surveyed thousands of people. Uh, and it was basically uh, material s- stuff, you know, a shiny new iPhone, a car or whatever, against experience. As in, maybe you went to a concert or you traveled somewhere new. 
And it showed that time and time again, long-term satisfaction comes from within, as in experiences we've had, people we've met, um, things we've done, rather than phones and objects, because our brains are designed to adapt. So our brains, if we have a phone, it's um, it's exciting and it's new for a day, maybe a week. And then after that, we, we start to adapt. We start to think, oh, well, that's just the phone. But the memories of experiences and the memories of travel stay with us much longer. And that's actually been shown to, to bring more happiness long term um, through experience than, than shiny stuff. Basically, yeah. I mean, I find that so anecdotally true. Like, I can't remember a single time that I got, you know, I can't remember getting any iPhone that I've gotten. But almost every travel experience has like a few very, very vivid, awesome memories, you know? Yeah. And, and, and isn't it funny? Like, um, what, what is that? Uh, chemical reaction we have when we go and buy something because I do even if I just go mm-hmm. and, and buy like a new pair of shoes or, or a new yeah. t-shirt or something it does give but you it can little, be dopamine sometimes yeah. I think that's I think that's right Phil yeah it's dopamine isn't it but it's it's long lasting and, and as I say uh, sorry as you were talking about iPhones I got an iPhone X or 10 mm-hmm. or whatever it is a few a few months back and I was yeah. real excited to get it and blah 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 and within three days i was like <laughs> i just should have kept the iphone yeah. 6 and I, I i've recently got a new car as well and god i was over that so goddamn quickly it's just you know i'd rather have the money in the bank and uh willie and i yeah. recently have been really thinking about minimalism haven't we yeah it's been a topic <laughs> we've been discussing and, and you know going over and and you know thinking about a lot more recently of of what what are we buying all this stuff for? And if we strip it away, simplify our life, what does that look like? What is that? What opportunities or possibilities does that open up? Free time does it create? What do you think about yeah. the concept of, of minimalism? Um, well, I've actually embraced that without even intending to. I, I've embraced a lot of minimalism over the last few years myself. Uh, mainly because I moved into a place I, I used to share accommodation with a friend of mine then I was sharing with a roommate and then eventually I needed to move in on my own but it's quite expensive to do so on your own so I got a place on my own but it was much smaller and because of that I, I was forced to to get rid of a lot of the stuff I'd been carrying around with me um, and initially that was very difficult but the more I got rid of the lighter I felt physically and and, and psychologically I just felt life was becoming easier I wasn't dragging all these old memories around with me of stuff that I didn't really need anymore. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's part of mindfulness as well, that we, we, we have all these uh, associations in our brain that we don't necessarily need. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of embracing the minimalist life uh, to a degree myself these days. And it is it's quite refreshing. It's quite liberating, I find. I, I, I saw something recently on Twitter, and maybe I mentioned this on the podcast before, but I saw somebody talking about how most humans today seem to feel more peaceful in a hotel room, like an empty hotel room, as opposed to mm. their, their own room, because it's not full <laughs> of your own shit that has all these, you know, there's like, and, yeah, yeah, attachments or it could be like emotional scars or, you know, all this stuff that has meaning and there's a lot of it. You know, when you're in a hotel, you can kind of just yeah. let that go. Well, what, what, what sort of always mystifies me is that you die, don't you? <laughs> At the end of the day, you die and you've got all this shit around yeah. you. And what the fuck's it all for? I mean, uh, f- four, four or five years ago, f- five years, over five years ago now, I came to Thailand. Uh, and I know my brother did the same thing. Um, so I, I was engaged. I had a mortgage on a house in the UK. I had a car with a payment. All that shit. I got rid of all of it. Got rid of all my furniture. Sold my house at a loss. Uh, yeah. Annoying. Um, but I came to Thailand with one 
suitcase and one backpack. So I had photographs, yeah. a couple of CDs, a couple of books, my clothes, and that was it. I've got a box somewhere, an ex-girlfriend's house. Rachel, yeah. I love you, darling. If you're listening, I know you won't be, but she always <laughs> calls me and says, I'm going to throw that bloody box out if you don't let him come and collect it. But um, So I came here. She sounds lovely. Uh, no, she's lovely. She is lovely. Yeah, yeah, she's lovely. She, she'll know that. She'll be laughing if, hear this, if she hears this. But I, I've... I must admit, Phil, it felt it felt pretty good to to reduce yeah. yourself to to a uh, to uh, a suitcase, and that was it. And even now, yeah. I live in rented accommodation, and all I really have is my podcast gear, our podcast gear, uh, a laptop, uh, clothes, and, and a car. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting you bring up the the idea that we we can't everybody dies and we can't take stuff with us, and that's yeah. actually partly connected to what I was saying about there. There's there's really sort of well, there's a couple of theories, but one of the most popular theories is that there's two main obstacles to happiness in the modern world. And one is the obsession with individual achievement. I think I've, I've brushed on this before, but we're obsessed with becoming rich, successful and good looking and all this kind of stuff. But for ourselves, we don't really think about the community or the global you know, community or, or the, the world out there. And, but even if we get rich and achieve the big life and become a millionaire, we still die. We can't take it with us. But if you change the world slightly, even even a tiny bit for a, for the better, or affect the community around you, that lasts forever, and that's yeah. that's a legacy. You've actually you know improved the world a bit, which is um you know that's that's really that's a really big thing you can do. That makes a big yeah. difference. It's that, so that, true. Yeah. It, it's like, but it's hard to even even hearing you say that. Like it, we all know that's true, but if if you ask us a week from now, it's like you got to try and remember and hold on to that because like yeah. the, the power <laughs> of the machine just, it just tells you that that's not what you should be going after, you know, and we're all uh, very susceptible to that propaganda. But Phil, you've done it. You, you've left a legacy because you've left some books with the world and we, we've kind of done Well, it. I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, they're, they're great books and I've seen that read the reviews and stuff. It's great. And we, we've sort of done it, you know. We've we, we've yeah. got a few podcasts out there, and I've written a few songs that are out there. Mm. But I I nice. always really wanted to write a really like good song that people loved, and it changed things a little bit, or or I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, I'm not totally alien to what you said there about about leaving. I I do think that Willie. I, I know you said that in a week it, it might go, but I I've always wanted to to leave a sort of an impression on the world of, mm. uh, of some kind. And I think that's not a bad uh, goal to have, is it really? But yeah, I think, especially as you get older, I mean, I, I, I don't know how old you guys are, but um, I mean, I'm in my 30s now, but I imagine when I'm older, I'll become a bit more uh, contemplative about the world and, and about thinking about what I've done. And if I'd only ever done a nine to five and not really contributed anything to the world, but, but sucked things from the world, such joy and money and, and taking things from other people. I think I'd be quite sad that I hadn't actually helped the world in any way. So I don't want to have any regrets when I'm older about anything like that. It seems like that is part of, that's just a natural part of the aging process, isn't it? I mean, I, I'm in my mm. early thirties and I can start like seeing the ceilings of, of that growing with, within myself. And, you know, when you look at it, any older person, like they're always concerned much more about the world overall, usually more so than themselves, or at that point they should be. That's why somebody yeah. like like Trump or you know is so shocking when they only seem to care about themselves. But it's <laughs> just an interesting natural progression I think most people go through, where you start to think, oh man, this world that I've lived in, like have I tried to leave this a better place? You know, how have I made a mark or not made a mark? 
it's kind of an interesting thought experiment, I guess, you have with yourself as you age. Yeah, it's it, I I so I guess you can think of that on the micro and the and the macro level, can't you, Willie? Because we always talk about on this podcast about exchanges of energy, right. you know, just just day in, to day. just yeah, in a small thing like a conversation, Phil. Uh, I always, if I can, try and leave someone with a surplus of energy rather than sort of draining them of energy. Mm. I try. I, obviously, I don't always succeed, but. So I, I, I like what we're sort of doing here. We're, 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 we've converted that sort of micro uh, feeling that and sort of thought experiment that I do and, and, and making it a bit more macro that you actually want to leave like a positive uh, energy on the world when you bow out. Yeah, right. And, but so does it matter if there's somebody up there uh, keeping score like Harry Potter style, 10 points for Gryffindor, if, if you are a good person and, or not? Or even if, <laughs> even if there's not somebody, is it still worth it to uh, have that ethos and, and try to be uh, you know more positive than negative? I'd probably argue either way. Yeah, I think there's there's a, a saying I can't remember it fully, but it's something like uh, nothing we do really matters. So all that matters is what we do, and it basically says that in the grand scheme of the universe, we are a tiny speck. So really, we don't make much difference. But if that's true, then all that really does matter is who we are on a daily basis and if we affect the people around us in a positive way. Yeah. And I think that's quite an interesting concept. I do too, yeah. And, and like little things become small, you know? It's like, you know, maybe I shouldn't litter on the side of the street. It wouldn't, doesn't really matter. But if everybody has that idea, then, you know, what kind of world yeah. are we living in? Yeah, man. I, I think that's karmic as well. Like so? if, if, if yeah, if you throw in like pieces of dirt and and cigarette butts, there's and, a lot of Thai people that are going to have some penance to pay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I just think it it's it. Oh my god, I I do it sometimes. I do sometimes throw cigarettes on the ground, and but I just think it. I, I think it 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 it's it points to a a a bigger problem inside yourself. If you're happy to mm. leave the world in a shittier, more littery place, then yeah. perhaps you're not going to look after your own body so well. Yeah. I do, I do There's think a correlation there. I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, how many fat bastards do you see, <laughs> like, you know, eating a hamburger or whatever and a Coke and they'll throw the hamburger wrapper out the window or whatever? It's just, mm. I, I think there's a big correlation there between uh, how you look after yourself and how you look after the world and people around you. Oh, it's totally. almost like a, an equation of sorts, basically how much you take from the world versus how much you give back. And yeah. uh, I like to think it should at least be balanced. You shouldn't be taking more than you're giving back. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean you have to give back exactly what you take, but you can, you know, it balances out over the long term, I think, what you do with your life and how you contribute to the world and family and everything else. Yeah, man, Definitely. Um, go on, Jimmy. It's kind of like what uh, Scott Adams talks about. You, you're born and you're super selfish because you, you want food, you want milk, you need to be clothed, you need to be taken care mm. of. And uh, he, he, he says, think of your life as an arc where you're born selfless, selfish and your last action should be selfless in that you're giving everything away. Right, yeah. and once you get sort of over the precipice of the arc, you become more selfless. I love and that, and you start giving things back yeah. to the community yeah. in terms of knowledge or time or you know whatever. But it, it's yeah. quite, a, I love quite that. a good way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really sort of looking interesting things, way of putting it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how do you think about that, Phil? Well, it, even as a, if you ignore even any of the spiritual or any of the the mental ideas behind it. 
um, from a purely physical aspect. I mean, it is, to quote the Lion King, the circle of life, isn't it? I mean, we become these physical entities out of, out of cells and all these kind of things. And then when we die, that goes back into the earth and becomes growth for a tree or, you know, goes back into the soil and our, our molecules disseminate into the world around us and oh, go back yeah. into fertilizing the plant. So, yeah, um, man. From, from a way purely biological level as yeah. well. Uh, but isn't it funny yeah. that, that uh, in some cases you'll grow up... Um, Oh, sorry, you'll be born into this world needing a nappy and, you, and your arse wiping, and then sometimes at the end of your life you'll need a nappy and your arse wiping as well. Don't you? That's the circle of life as well, That's maybe. another circle, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a dirtier circle. Fun, fun, fun fact, the more adult diapers sold in Japan than uh, baby China, diapers. Was it China? Japan. Japan. Japan's okay. one of the old, old population. Wow. Oh, is it? Yeah. Really, right? Yeah. Oh, shit. There's more adult diapers than baby diapers. Sold, sold every year, yeah. Oh and have been for many years. God. Is that oh, because, of, because of their medical conditions or some kind of weird kinks that they have out there? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely yeah. wonder all the kinks. Equal parts of both. A- aging population with uh, with nobody getting together and having babies. And they, uh, they live a long time there, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just um, adult diapers all over the streets, everywhere in Tokyo. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> The thing is, like, baby poo, you can handle baby poo because it's, like, kind of innocent, oh, know, isn't it? Yeah. But but fucking old man poo. Oh, God. <laughs> this took a dark turn. <laughs> um, <laughs> Phil, we had we had an author on last week called D.L. Klein. A really cool okay. dude, man. You should check him out. He's he's he's, yeah. he's written loads of books, but uh, one called A Matter of Life and Death, where, where he looked... Mm. Matter of Life... I can't say that. I get my thirst and fizz the wrong way around, a matter of life and death. Um, he, so he posits that um, we have multiple, it, well, he's into reincarnation, basically, and, and he basically mm-hmm. says that we just pop in and pop out of this world um, right. at, not, not at will, but we, we, we choose the, the life that we have in front of us, we, we choose the challenges and, and the things that we mm-hmm. want to learn. Uh, and, and when we die, we're, we're not really dead at all, but we just go back to the to the other, like sort of godlings in mm. training. I, I I sort of like to put it that we're all sort of little godlings <laughs> uh, with training wheels on this earth, and and we we have multiple goes. Uh, what uh, what do you think about like reincarnation? Is that a bit woo woo for you? <laughs> well, um, I mean, I am a person that puts a lot of faith in, in science and research. However, um, science yeah. and research does support on obviously energy cultivation and whether you look at it from a spiritual point of view or a physical as i kind of mentioned before um you know the energy we have in our bodies has to go somewhere and whether that's energy from your brain or energy from your body you know it does contribute to the world out there um and i think there are forces at work that we don't understand definitely whether you want to call that god or religion or or anything i think that there's things that science can't fully explain and i would love to see what science would come up with in a thousand years to see if they have discovered that maybe we're not consciously born into another life or reincarnated but there are aspects of former existence that do exist in in you know new life um because i think that's the way the world works it's it's all in a big cycle everything's recycled the energy is just returned to the earth and comes back out and uh parts of people become parts of other people and um yeah from from a scientific view it's it's quite interesting do you guys think in a thousand years we'll have a pretty good grasp on like what is consciousness what is life what kind of cells smack them together make life man i I don't know i think as we get more of a a thousand's not enough i think it's going to be more i think as we get more of a handle on quantum physics i I think that might 
Mm. I, I don't know. I mean, things are weird, aren't you? When you get down to like the the quantum to like the microscopic level, th- things get a little bit mm-hmm. trippy, don't they? Uh, and they found all these kind of weird patterns, like these computer like codes. I'm not just making this up. Uh, I did hear that some that at the very very base level of nature that that there is like a uh, it's almost like um, I don't know that there's there's a code that you can recurring uh, patterns. I'll, yes, I'll have to Google it at, at some point, but I, I'm pretty sure that it's true. So, well, quantum, quantum physics in general is a is a bizarre field. I mean, obviously we we only scratch the surface now, but there are elements of it that we're looking at, and the whole thing where you know you look at. Or is it the the Max Planck experiment where you look at the result and it changes, but if you don't look at it, it's different? I mean, yeah, the, 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 the observer effect, right? Yeah, there's things like that which are absolutely bizarre as well. So uh, quantum physics is quite fascinating, oh, not that I understand yeah, it. Yeah, but. Although, <laughs> when you hear like Brian Cox talking about it on the Infinite Monkey Cage, he says that that's all just bollocks, doesn't he? He says that uh <laughs> he, he he destroys that kind of woo-woo-ness that uh don't, yeah. you, don't you guys think though if we, if we solve most of quantum physics there is like another level of you Probably. know d- triple quantum physics that, that we yeah. gotta dig into and like yeah. at there's like way way five more levels then there's like the understanding yeah. of all have, these have, cells have, have yeah. you ever like and, and i know it was i think it might have been at the end of one of the men in black episodes or something where they had some <laughs> marbles and like inside the marble was a whole nother universe yeah, right, yeah. Uh, have you ever thought that yeah. uh, an atom looks yeah. basically like a, a galaxy doesn't it and, yeah and like the lower yeah. you go see so wonder <laughs> have, have you ever thought well, like yeah, that? No, like there's how, a famous american movie where the guy gets high and talks about at a a universe within his fingernail and like, like yeah. he describes like within <laughs> his, his fingernail. fingernail. Yeah. Called animal house, the movie with John Belushi. And yeah, that always stuck with me. Like, Oh my God, what if they're in my fingernail? There's a whole yeah, other universe. You know, it, just keeps it could just going. be fractal. Yeah. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the one theory I always find fascinating is that the, the idea that as computer graphics get better and better, right. the closer we get to reality, the more likely we are to be in a, in a simulation. Yeah. Simulation <laughs> a, theory. Yeah. I was just about to bring that up. So, so that could explain all this, couldn't it, uh, Phil? This, this weirdness, yeah. these uh, glitches in the matrix. So, does that give everything yeah. a lot less meaning if we're all in a simulation? To you guys, like, does that devalue our experience? Well, I, I don't know if you well, guys know, but I, I kind of, uh, I spoke about it ad nauseum on my YouTube videos that I, I thought, right, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna live my life like I'm in a in a simulation now, and. The way to do that is, is, is to feel is to feel that you've got somebody's controlling you. So you're in the you're in a you're in a simulation. So somebody you're an avatar and somebody's controlling you. And in order mm. for you to level up and do well in this world, you've got to put yourself in certain situations for certain things to happen. So if you want to have a YouTube channel, you've got to subscribe to YouTube and create a channel. If you want to have a podcast, you've got to buy the equipment and fucking record a podcast you know you've got to put yourself in the position for stuff to happen and whether you think like about that as as being simulation theory or just life it's the same anyway isn't it like yeah you know i was just gonna say you just described how to do things in life yeah yeah but so that you kind of played a trick on yourself there in a a a psychological trick yeah. yeah yeah So, so what do you guys think about my question of like, if we are in a simul- sim- simulation, do you think that devalues our experience? No. Phil? Uh, well, I think it, obviously that would imply that there's some greater existence beyond us. If, that, if we're a simulation, who's creating the simulation? Which right. means that 
there's more to investigate there. So I think it doesn't really devalue it. Um, plus, if we're living in the moment, as many of us do, or many of us should more, which is obviously ties nicely to the meditation and mindfulness idea, yeah. um, then, you know, just being in the moment is important, even, even beyond thinking backwards and forwards, just, just being there is, is important too. True. And maybe that's, maybe that's a reason why our brains are happiest when they're in the moment, you know, because that's what we should be appreciating yeah. because this is all a simulation. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> You're right, man. And yeah, thank you for reminding me, Willie. I was trying to answer your question when I went off on that tangent that um, I think it's equal for me, whether you're in a simulation or not. And this is like the psychological trick I played is is exactly the same. You're in life. Happiness is happiness. Sadness is sadness. So at the end of the day, you, you want to make yourself happy and people around you happy. And whether you're in a simulation or not, I think. Yeah, it, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I suppose it doesn't. Yeah, but I, I I love what Phil just said there. Yeah, if you are in a simulation, then there's a whole nother layer. So maybe it makes it even more exciting. Maybe yeah. it makes it even cooler. Three dimensional chess. Yeah. <laughs> so Phil, I, I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious with with your um, experience and your meditation practice. Can you talk about just how you got into that and and where you're at today with meditation? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, um, my uh, meditation practice is quite closely tied to my martial arts experience. Um, although they can be very separate things, um, some people do come into martial arts and go into meditation, but it's usually the people um, usually either practice meditation uh, on its own. For me, um, I actually started out, well, it's, it's a bit of a, well, it's not a long story, but I'll give you the uh, abbreviated version. When I was about 16, uh, 17, odd, uh, I was walking past a pub in the UK and uh, a guy came up behind me and said, excuse me. And as I turned around, he punched me in the face and shattered my nose. Um, it broke all my face. His friends came over and uh, kicked the shit out of me for about five minutes. And I ended up in hospital. Any reason? Oh, um, so I, I had to have surgery twice to rebuild my sinuses and all this kind of stuff. It was a complete mess. But anyway, that's what got me into martial arts originally. Um, okay, Phil, sorry. We, we, we've got to sort of just break this apart a little bit what, what, what was it yeah. provoked what what happened what, what? no that's that's the craziest part of it um it was literally i was walking past the pub and there was a bunch of drunk guys yeah. guy came up behind me and said excuse me as i turned around he literally hit me there was no provocation no warning he just brought a fist into my nose and shattered it Fuck that. And, that uh, happens in england man. That, that really damn. does I, yeah. I don't know if us is the same but not much no. it, yeah i mean if, especially in your small town market towns people are a little bit wild yeah I mean. yeah but so d did they ever get brought to justice for this phil or oh. This is part of the, uh, I mean, it's, it's actually improved a little bit in the, in the time where it happened now, but uh, at the time, of course, I went to the police uh, afterwards and they were so busy. I think this was a Friday night, uh, about 11 or something, which is, of course, when all the bars and pubs were closing. I hadn't even been out drinking. I was just walking past. But um, the police said, well, you shouldn't have been fighting. And they had better things to do. That was their attitude. And I said, you know, I wasn't fighting. There was no provocation, but uh, they didn't believe me. They, as far as they were concerned, I was a 16-year-old out making trouble. Um, so Assholes. they just brushed it off, but uh, yeah. So this was a big moment in your life, and, and th then you thought, well, this this shit's not going to happen to me again, and this set you yeah, on this new path, right? Yeah, but I mean, initially it was it was very difficult because as a teenager, as a, as a male teenager, especially, you have all this bravado, all this sort of inner. You think you're a bit of a tough guy, even if you're not. You think, oh well, I could always handle myself in a tight spot. And then something like that happens, and it really destroys your ego. It really brings you down to this kind of grounded position. Uh, and I was quite depressed. Uh, looking back, I didn't know it at the time, but I was really suffering with depression for a good four or five months. Um, and then not long after that, I think a friend of mine suggested that a local, uh, I think it was Taekwondo at the time, 
uh, club was um, doing a demonstration or something. And, then, and that's the start of it, really. I went along to that, got involved with the club, and, and it was just... Initially, it was a distraction from the depression, but I, I enjoyed it so much, the focus and taking my mind off things, and it built me physically and mentally and everything like that, that, you know, that was the start of my martial arts career, and obviously since then, I've gone on to uh, teach and train and have multiple black belts and, and train in China and all sorts of stuff, so it's, it's been great. So Really cool, really cool, interesting path. So how do you tie meditation into into martial arts? Like, do you have a, a mindfulness practice where you sit down and focus and you know, go that route or do you just do it within your, within the martial arts? Um, yeah, well, I've actually taken a slightly different route of it because when I was training in the UK, there isn't that much focus on meditation within martial arts. Typically, I mean, largely it's because martial arts is a, is a big business and they are more keen on getting people through the door and getting belts done for, for many styles. I'm not saying that's true of all, but for a lot of them, that's the truth. Um, so I had to sort of search things out on my own uh, in terms of integrating meditation. But when I did go out to Asia and I did see the practices that were going on out there, it was much more mental focus as well as the physical as well. And I think when I was in, tri- in China that I picked up um, a lot of that practice out there. Um, and now um, on a daily basis, I don't do massively long meditations um, because I find everybody's got a life to live and we have to be practical. <laughs> Most people can't sit there two hours and enter some zen state so i try to grab five minutes uh two or three times a day and that's all and i don't think people uh need much more than that in fact in fact in my book i always suggest that starting out at two minutes is, is perfect as well and gets you into the habit which is one of the most important things totally and you know people get defeated really quickly with uh with meditation like, like mike and jimmy have you guys tried meditation and what was your experience like yeah uh jimmy have you tried meditation mm, not really I, I think I've been like quite a lot, well, a vast majority of people in that you sort of try it and it's like, what the fuck? You know? and it's like, okay. so, this is what, so what you're saying, Phil, about two minutes and things like that, yeah. it makes perfect sense, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you're not going to be, you're not going to rock into a gym and try bench press 400 pounds, are you, on, right. on your first day? Yep, yep. Sure. Small steps, baby steps, yeah. And yeah, to answer your question, Willie, um, I have tried it and I suck. Uh, meditation but you guys realize everybody thinks that yeah i can't keep my mind clear for one second it's immediately okay uh focus on this uh tree or whatever and then it's like bills uh women uh (laughs) fucking podcast crypto money blah um, blah and it's just uh it's like a never-ending fucking avalanche of shit it's it's the beauty of meditation and this is that this is the thing that uh there's a lot of misconceptions about meditation um people typically start out with oh i don't have the time but you know i've just said that it doesn't really take a lot of time but they also think that they have to enter some kind of monk-like zen state (laughs) halfway up a mountain um Um, and it's it's funny that (laughs) failure when your mind starts wandering off and thinking of absolutely everything except meditation is actually part of meditation because the process of meditation is you you start to quiet your mind you start to focus on your breathing and then your mind will fail what will happen is it will start thinking about everything else and all you do, you gently guide it back and gently focus on your breath again. But there is no failure because that cycle of trying, failing and starting again is meditation. There is no, I need to reach this level. It's just keep trying. Just keep doing it and an enjoy impro- it. Improvement Relax. is being able to notice when your mind starts wandering off and being able to do that quicker, yeah. quicker and more quickly and more quickly. Because sometimes, no, yeah. and you know, the thing is, is it's not like a perfect hill to climb. You know, you get up and, you, and then you go down and up and down. There's all sorts of like failures yeah. depending on your mood and other factors. Yeah. 
but um, yeah, sometimes you'll get lost in a thought really quickly and that'll be like a, a five minute thought or something like that. And you'll be like, shit, I was just thinking for five yep. minutes, you know, that's a horrible mindfulness. But then once you practice, you kind of get better at that type of thing. Yeah. Um, I want to know if there's any practical things you can do, Phil. So any anchors. So you just mentioned breath there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've always as well tried to do is, is, is like sometimes I'll sit cross-legged on my bed and I'll look at the bookcase mm-hmm. opposite my bed and I'll focus on a book in, in the yeah. bookcase, for example, or I'll focus on a, li- a little dot on the wall or, or something like that. Um, mm. is, is, is that the kind of thing we should be doing? Is breath the best thing or, or are there other anchors we can look um, at? Well, the, 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 the funny thing about meditation, of course, is it's so personal that I can't say, well, yeah. you should do this and so-and-so should do that because it is a personal experience. But um, the, the singular focus, um, finding a point to look at, is, is one way of doing it. But for beginners or for people who are, are struggling to get into a routine, I actually generally encourage closing the eyes because the sensory stimulus coming in from our ears, our nose, our, our, our eyes and everything is something that easily distracts us. And even if you've got your eyes focused on something ahead, if a bird flies past or a bee comes into the window, it's still distracting. Mm. Um, but sometimes if you close your eyes and then just you need to be relaxed, that is important. So obviously, it needs to be comfortable. Um, essentially, I suggest getting to cross-legged is, works, but if you can't do that, sit however you want. Um, back straight, I generally suggest because it opens up the airways and, and helps you breathe better. Uh, and then gently close your eyes and then just focus on the breathing. Yeah. Um, bringing the breath into your mouth, into your throat, and then ideally trying to bring it down nice and deep so that you feel it right down by your diaphragm. Um, you can either focus on the diaphragm area or the depth of it in your chest or, um, do a count, which is what I talk about a little bit in the book as well, which is, you know, like a count of four to bring it in, hold for a count of four and then gently exhale for a count of four as well. And that, counting distracts your mind from these millions of things that you've got yeah, going on that's a great um, idea it helps you focus on yeah. something yeah and I, I think what you touched on something there being comfortable uh the, there's nothing mm. worse than sitting cross-legged and then you start getting pins and needles in, in your leg yeah, yeah. I, i'm the worst yeah like, or not, you'll, not very dexterous. your face will itch or something yeah. and then you convince yourself you know it's that kind yeah. of stuff so, so when i do it i i mm. sit on my bed and i have my back against the be- headboard and I just put my legs out yeah. straight in front of me because I, I, as I say, I'm not very dexterous, but uh, yeah, is, is there anywhere you'd sit? I mean, is, is there any advice you can give there? Is it You said cross-legged, right? There's actually, I mean, there's, there's lots and lots of different methods you can use, of course. I mean, if you go into, into yoga sort of practice, you get people who meditate in savasana, so they're, yeah. they're lying on their back, essentially. Um, but the danger with that one is that you can fall asleep, which is still beneficial, but not quite meditation. Um <laughs> If you have trouble with your legs crossed, um, although it's not compulsory to sit with your legs crossed, of course, but it is, I find it sort of helps to focus. I don't know what it is, but something about that position makes you feel like you're in the right sort of position. But for a lot of people, it's to do with your your butt is basically too low. So if you have a cushion under your backside and it lifts your legs up slightly or lifts your bum up slightly, um, you'll find it a little bit more relaxing. And they actually do meditation cushions, uh, Zafus, that you can buy uh, specifically for that. Um, But legs out front works as well. Um, as I said, just try to, to think about keeping your back straight so that you open up those airways. Um, but if you find you are getting very uncomfortable, it's probably because you're doing it for too long. And if it is two minutes, you probably won't find it too difficult. But if you are going for 30 minutes, yeah. it's, it's going to be I can relate. Uh, last week I did a 40-minute meditation and I, I sat cross-legged <laughs> really? the whole time. And my lower back and like my, by my knees after 40 minutes was just 
like felt throttled. And by the end of it, like I was, I was thinking clearly and I was in a deep, you know, like a, a really solid meditation, but like I could feel the pain on my body as well. You know, and I was having to push that down. Mm. So it's, you know, that's probably your body telling you something that, you know, you're, you, you shouldn't be doing that for 40 mm. minutes. Um, what, what about guided meditations, Phil? I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of choice now on YouTube and, and many apps yeah. you can get. And I've tried Headspace, which I thought was excellent actually. Um, mm. so, so w- would you recommend these, uh, and you can get them completely free, uh, where people yeah, say, yeah. okay, we're going to take you on a journey now, <laughs> breathe in. Yeah, they can out. work very it well. It does help, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, there's, there's two sides to that, of course. The, the guided meditations are great, but I've, I mean, everybody's experience is personal, of course, as I mentioned. The problem I find with a lot of these is that the person speaking has such a relaxing voice that I find myself falling asleep by the end of the first minute. So I have to sort of have uh, – the app I use is actually um, – it doesn't have a guided meditation aspect to it. It's just called Meditation Helper, and it's um, it's like a little timer, but it has a little countdown section so that when you're getting comfortable, before you start, you, you get yourself set up, and then it has a little chime, which is a very gentle little chime. And then at the end of the period, you've set it chimes again, and, that, and that's it because – People often focus on um, on the, the stuff they need. Oh, I need to get a cushion. I need a timer. I need to enter this state. I need to do this. But, but really, it's, it's none of that. It's just sitting and being and just being quiet and breathing for two minutes. Yeah. And, and that's it. And, um, and just trying to get in that space. If apps help you do that, that's absolutely fine. But, you know, don't get hung up on them if you, if you can't find the right app. Just just give it a go. Phil, I got a question for you. Uh, do you have any tricks on keeping your practice consistent? Like, like I still, I know that I need it and I do it fairly frequently, yeah. but still sometimes I find myself convincing myself that like, I nah, don't do it right now. You don't have enough time. Uh, yeah. don't do, you don't need it right now. You know, it's like your brain's playing that trick. Do you have any, any thoughts mm-hmm. on, on, you know, staying consistent with meditation? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's funny because I've had the same thing and yeah. uh, there's been, there's been periods of even like, I think last year I, 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 med- I meditated as regularly as I could, but it was still, I was very busy working on new content and, and writing things. And I just it did, didn't come to mind. And then I thought, you know, why am I, why am I doing this? I need to get back into this habit. And it's like a muscle really. Anytime you, you exercise this muscle with meditation, it becomes easier mm-hmm. and it becomes quicker to drop into that state. So, um, there's, there's several different methods of doing it. Of course, if you do have an app on your phone, you can get a little reminder that will pop up and you know tell you to, to get on with it, True. which can be beneficial. But there's so many apps on our phone, and these days we don't pay much notice to these things. But I find having um, a trigger, uh, if you like, um, is, is a really good way of doing it. So what you need to do is set up something uh, that you do or something that happens in your life every day right before a period where you are relaxed and comfortable. So... For me, for example, I, the one I do first thing in the morning, I do a little exercise every morning and I stretch and do some other stuff. After, that's my trigger because I know that in the morning after I've woken up, I have this period of time set aside. Even if it's only five minutes, I have this five minutes. And my trigger of finishing my stretches, I'm like, okay, now I'm stretched, I'm relaxed. I can I can sit down and I can just breathe for, for five minutes. Sure. Um, everybody's got a different trigger. So obviously don't try and do it the same as me. But if you, if you do it at the same time every day and have some activity that – uh, precedes the meditation you'll find it flows much easier and you get into a rhythm um, and rhythm is far better and, and regularity is far better than going crazy once a month than yeah. doing five minutes every day it's like it's like the gym you know if you go to the gym and kill yourself once a month it's not going to be as beneficial as going for 20 minutes every day yeah uh, and that's the same with meditation it's just regular small amounts of practice that's great it's good advice too that even five minutes is time well spent you know it doesn't need to be an hour it doesn't need to be yeah you know, don't need to be sitting in a 
with a monk in a temple, you know, just on your bed, wherever is convenient, <laughs> try to make it consistent. Yeah. I mean, I, I've written a bit about this. It, it, well, yeah. Um, and uh, what I always thought is that, that you can grab, and do you agree with this, Phil, that it, you don't need to be anywhere specifically. Like when you arrive at work in your car, if you're five minutes early or 10 minutes early, you can grab five minutes there on a lunch break. If you can go into a room, you know, and yeah. just have five minutes in there. It's it's like you can there's opportune there's opportune times in the day mm-hmm. where there is and I I'm not saying I I subscribe to this and do it at all don't get me wrong but do do you, do you agree with that that there are sort of you don't necessarily have to be at home in a particular place you can do it on the on the go right oh absolutely yeah I mean meditation isn't just limited to to sitting on your floor yeah. in silence at home. Um, you might find it a little more challenging if you've only just started out doing it somewhere noisy. But there is an idea that there's there's silence uh, behind noise as well. So that if you are in a place of chaos, that chaos can yeah. sort of blur into the into like a, a train station or something where where it's like yeah, an ambient noise. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's so ambient that it, it that there is a sort of quietness behind it all that you can sort of switch it all out. Um, but of course, when you're just starting out, that can be tricky. Um, but yeah, meditation is, is, it works wherever uh, you can do it with eyes open, eyes closed. Um, there's even, there's moving meditation as well, which people yes. do when they're running and, was, um, running meditation yeah. is quite fascinating. Just getting in that mindset as you're oh. going and just focusing on breathing. It's great. Yeah, man. I'm so glad you said that because I, I believe that my run every day is my meditation time because, yeah. uh, you know, I'll, I'll put a podcast on or sometimes I won't and I'll just run around the, the park and, you you finish such I don't know you just feel so much better after and I think it's like mm-hmm. clearing your mind and I, I'll sometimes it's quite weird this but I'll sometimes gauge the the how present I am by how much of the podcast I've listened to like yeah and and I I think a lot of people listening to podcasts might be thinking the reverse thing that I'm about to say but the more I think the more I listen to the podcast and hear the words the more present I am. And the more yeah. my mind's wandering away and thinking about bills and people and all that shit, the 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 less present I am. So when I'm sort of finished mm. to run, if I if I, I'll say to myself, "Oh, I listen to quite a lot of that podcast," that that'll mean that my mind hasn't been racing quite so much. But yeah, I, I'm so glad you mentioned moving meditation because I think mm. a lot of people can go walking or running and really yeah. benefit from that. Yeah. Right? I do. I try to do it walking, but it's hard in Bangkok because you need to be so aware because it's yeah. just shit flying at you from every direction. Yeah. But if you're somewhere safe, like, uh, yeah, like a park or something like that, you can really, you can, you can start up by just focusing on your step of like the, the feeling of the ground on your foot mm-hmm. one after rhythm. another. Yeah. Yeah. Rhythm. And yeah. It's, it's powerful stuff. And yeah, I totally agree with like the feeling you get after, um, after a great workout, I'd say uh, after a great meditation, it's not the same, but there's definitely some correlation there. Those are feelings you get that are, you know, elevated presence, elevated living in the yeah. moment. You probably find as well, I mean, I go running and I find the same thing that if my mind is is a bit chaotic and I have a lot of things on my mind, I don't run as well because totally. my mind is, is chaotic. Um, but if I have a bit of clarity and I, I have that breathing rhythm and I, I focus just on my breath, I run much easier. It's almost like the muscles respond better to my mind being quiet, which, you know, everything being connected, it probably makes totally. sense. Think about too, with developing a meditation practice and the parallels between developing a running practice. When you first start running, like everything's telling you not to do it. You know, you'll make up any excuse, yeah. you know, oh my shorts are dirty. It's whatever. 
it's the same thing with meditation, I think, where your body just like, it's all about just getting there. You know, it's just about sitting down yeah. in meditation. It's about just getting out there and running. And once you're out there, you feel great. It's just one of those yeah. things, one of those instances where your brain's so good at playing those tricks on you. The funny thing about meditation at the moment is that um, it's obviously scientifically proven now in many, many, many studies to have uh, many benefits on the on the body and mind. But there's still a stigma attached to it that it is a little bit, you know, yeah. a little bit woo, a little bit a, a bit hippie. But the funny thing is, if you went back, say, 50 years and you said to someone, oh, I'm going out for a run, they'd say, why? Who's chasing you? Um, <laughs> but, but now, you know, people say, I'm going out for a run. They say, oh, that's really good. You're getting healthy. Yeah. And I think that meditation mindfulness could be the next health revolution, really. It could be the next thing that comes out through health organizations. Mm-hmm. And they start saying, because in the NHS in the UK, they are already encouraging it, mindfulness and 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 meditation um quietly sort of creeping into the health routines so um it could be the next big thing i think really i agree um, mind yeah. Yeah. For, our, for our listeners phil what what is mindfulness uh well mindfulness is, is connected to meditation uh but mindfulness is is less about the the physical practice per se so it's not necessarily about sitting on the spot and sitting in any stance um or whatever you do with your body it's more about being aware of yourself um, and mindfulness is essentially just instead of looking forward at what you've got to do or looking back or thinking about conversations you've had or might have you just let go of all that and just focus on how you are in the moment right now and and that's essentially mindfulness it's just how do I feel right now um, I'm, I'm breathing you know I'm, I'm trying to relax and and that's it really it's just about being aware of who you are and how you are at that moment and not judging it either that's important because a lot of people will sort of think oh, i'm not calm enough well that's fine just just be aware of it or you know people will think i'm not fit enough or i'm not healthy enough well that's fine just just be in the moment and just be aware of it and it will come um so that's mindfulness really it's just being in the moment okay i i okay i, I want to really sort of jump onto something now because i i've i've been thinking about something all through this podcast is is it all about breathing, about breath, everything in life? Have have we forgotten as a human race how to just breathe properly? Because I, I, I think in terms of meditation, in terms of running, in terms of if you've got something important to do, like an important presentation, or you have to uh, play if you're in a band and you have to play in front of an audience, at the end of the day, isn't it all about just breath regulation? Mm. Yeah, I think um, as a species, of course, what's happening is because of all our devices, our computers and everything, we're becoming hunched over. Our postures are changing and we're we're sort of squashing our lungs. Um, And I'm not saying necessarily everybody has to breathe deeply all the time, but traditionally, I guess, if you went back thousands of years, we would have been more upright and more active, which would have led to deeper breaths. Um, There is a concept in martial arts, of course, of of chi and, and breathing into the dantian, which is basically the diaphragm, the same area. Um, and that's a concept that applies, like you said, to so many things that, that is really beneficial to, to playing instruments, to meditation, to martial arts, to fitness, to anything. If you can take breath deeper and, and get it right down to your belly area um, and then learn to breathe, basically learn to, yeah. learn to relax your lungs and, and take full, proper deep breaths, um, it does make a big difference to the sort of shallow um, breath that we take the rest of the time because shallow breaths are telling our brain that we have anxiety really that's the kind of breath you would have when you're panicking and so it's translating back to the brain and saying hang on there's something going wrong release these these hormones that make us panicky get ready to run somewhere because there's a threat uh, whereas deep breaths 
um, taking deep breaths and holding them for a couple of seconds, then releasing them, that sends the opposite signal to the brain that says everything's calm, everything's relaxed, you know, release these hormones that make us feel better. Uh, and that's why deep breaths are so effective. Even just deep breaths alone without any meditation are so effective for um, if you've got a nervous presentation you need to give or if you need to give a talk or anything like that. Uh, they're just, yeah, really, really powerful stuff. Yeah, people like Wim Hof uh, really focus on that, don't oh, they? Oh, yeah. I, I, I just think it, I think as as a as a as a species, we've got like a collective amnesia about how to mm. just just breathe properly, and it's something I've been really trying to research recently. And um, I don't, I think I, I, what I want I wanted to get into choking as well, Phil, in sports and and in mm. you know if you have a presentation or something to do as well, which I know probably all three of us, even on this podcast, sometimes I'll struggle for a word or something and. I'll yeah. start to get a little bit nervous and is 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 can all this be dealt with by breathing is is breathing just is, is it all about breathing at the end of the day or, or am i taking that a little bit too far am i putting too much of an emphasis um, i mean breathing is a, is a massive help but there's lots of other techniques you can do of course um i mean panic attacks for example which come at different grades i mean you can be panicking in the moment um about what you're going to say but there's also you know clinical panic attacks which are much more severe. My, my, my dad actually suffers with panic attacks. So, um, you know, I know what it's like for him and it's a horrible experience. Um, but the, the conventional wisdom for panic attacks is actually about reducing the, the overall blood flow to the brain by getting active and getting moving around, which of course is connected to, um, the, the breathing as well. But essentially you've got all this blood rushing to the parts of your brain, which are these primal areas saying you need to panic, you need to run, you need to do something. But if you start gently walking, gently moving your arms, the blood starts moving to your limbs and it takes it away from the brain and the brain's no longer overstimulated. Um, but part of the walking and part of the moving around is the breathing so that the blood goes to your lungs and, uh, and moves around like that. So it's all connected really, yeah, the, the mind, the, the brain, the body. Um, but you can, yeah, moving around actually actually does help, which is why a lot of people uh, prefer to give talks or, or do speeches standing up because it sends the blood to your legs. If you're sitting down, it can be... You're hunched over again. You can't get the breath. Um, you start to get tense. Um, so standing up can be can be really helpful in these kind of cases. I don't know if you guys are sitting or standing up right now, but <laughs> we're sitting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, maybe we should walk around. We're very relaxed at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and anything else to add, Willie? You... Oof. Yeah. Let me think. Anything else on our list? I don't know. Man. I, mean, I, I, I could talk for hours. I, yeah. I just want to. I'd love to know more about your. How many black belts have you got, Phil? Uh, so I'm a second down black belt in Taekwondo, uh, and I'm also a black sash uh, instructor grade in Shaolin Mokgar Kung Fu, which is one of the rarest styles of uh, Shaolin Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also got an uh, instructor grade in uh, kickboxing, and uh, I've also trained in, in many different styles for smaller levels. Um, so, yeah, I've done quite a few over the years. I saw in your bio that you'd been to Thailand. Have you done some Muay Thai when you were here? I did a little bit, yeah, when I was uh, traveling around. It was it was very brutal and very hard work, <laughs> which is to be expected. But I think it was because I uh, I don't handle hot weather so well, and it was ah. yeah, it was about thirty five, forty degrees, and I was really struggling. So, <laughs> it, but uh, yeah, it's interesting that you went through some of the different ones there, Phil. Like uh, you mentioned kung fu, but then you mentioned kickboxing, and um, yeah, you know, we, we I think all three of us here are quite into MMA, and we're yeah. quite. Uh, cognizant of the fact that a lot of martial arts are a little bit woo-woo and a little bit 
don't work correctly. Yeah. And and you see these videos, don't you, online of these sort of grandmasters who yeah. who are who are sort of pulling all this bullshit, and and their students go along with it. Which martial <laughs> yeah. art? As you said taekwondo, something something kung fu, and kickboxing. Which is the most yeah. effective? If if you actually get into a brawl, are, are some of these martial arts a little bit? Um, what, what works? Yeah, it's, what works is what. It's I'm actually quite an in-depth subject, but the the long and the short of it is that martial arts, if you're talking actual martial arts, are pretty useless in self-defense because self-defense yeah. and martial arts are two very different I'm glad things. You said that. Yeah. Because um, yeah, I mean, martial arts teach you some brilliant stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I mean, I started in Taekwondo, which has a lot of limitations in a real discipline, street fight. I think, but, isn't it? Big, a big one's discipline. Yeah, it? it's discipline, it's timing, it's distance, it's fitness. It teaches you how to throw a punch, how to throw a kick, and stuff like that is, is priceless. You know, it is really important stuff. But the techniques they teach you are stuff that might have worked in ancient Korea a thousand years ago. You know, today, it's very different. And if you are purely after a um, self-defense system, it's not going to be something where you're bowing every five minutes and learning ancient Chinese. It's going to be something like Krav Maga or uh, Casey or uh, Defense Lab, something like that, where it is, it's pretty brutal stuff because it has to be if it's going to work on the streets. Um, MMA, for example, a lot of uh, MMA fighters, I mean, don't get me wrong, I have massive respect for them, but they always like to say, well, MMA is the most realistic fight style for a street. And you say, well, it, it's more rounded than a lot of individual martial arts, but it's still bound by rules, MMA is. It is still against one opponent. It's still in the octagon. There's still you know, rules against eye gouging and hair pulling and, and kicks to the groin. In real life on the street, there's none of that. You know, yeah. None of that. Anything goes. So um, everything has its limitations, and it, it's real self-defense systems that are going to be the most effective when it comes to street fights, if that's you know, the situation you're going to put yourself in. Hopefully, no one does. And I've been lucky enough, uh, perhaps ironically, that since I started martial arts, I've I've never had any trouble since. So, <laughs> you know, that's the way it works. Yeah, I, I wonder if that if that's the kind of universe working in that kind of way that people just kind of look at you and they know not to fuck with you, or, or some kind of pheromone or confidence that you that you give off. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. So, so let me take this down a side street. Why do you think it is those students that? where their their instructor is totally full of shit, you know, and he's teaching a technique that, you know, like he twists his mm. finger and it just fucks up their chi and they fall down. Oh, yeah. Why do the students go along with that? What's the, what do you think's going on there? I think, um, I mean, I, I've seen a lot of them. I've seen the, the, the Ki Masters are always a good one as well, where they shout at someone and they fall over. That's always an entertainment. <laughs> um, but the, the problem is that Ki uh, and Ki Up and, and these sorts of techniques are closely tied to traditional martial arts. And so Okinawan karate and Taekwondo have, have elements in it where you do this shout. So I guess students see that from traditional martial arts and, and the sort of precision and, and fitness that these guys have and think, well, if I can take that element from it and just use that, maybe that works. And so they see this master, this self-appointed master, who's supposed to be you know, in, in some kind of expert of it, yeah. uh, and they go along with it. But I think... Um, in those kind of cases, it's obviously that their their mind is telling them it's working, or at least they're they're happy yeah. to go along with believing it. Um, but they're going to get a very rude awakening if they ever end up in a street fight, which is a shame. So, I just like to think I I wouldn't go along with that. Like I, I'd like to think I'd be like, yeah. all right, you know, I think I'm going to stop going to your class. <laughs> but is it the same yeah. like like if you're a if you're a Nazi in the in the Jew camps? But but can you not leave this cr- this uh this guy? You know? <laughs> no, that that's a very good distinction, Willie. Yeah, you're not being held there under under gunpoint. <laughs> Uh, I think in many martial arts, uh, these where they've got these masters teaching these bizarre styles, 
I suspect some of the students aren't as exposed to the wider world. So maybe they live in rural communities and they don't have access to the internet showing all these different martial arts and what really does work and what doesn't. So all they hear is these stories from their elders saying, oh, well, uh, this one guy took out someone with a shout and you can learn that if you want. Um, so maybe they don't have the exposure. Yeah, or they're fucking idiots. That is probably a big part of it too. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, one last question, Phil. Uh, well, one last question for me. I'm not sure about the other boys, but... Uh, you, you do, you've got a book on like fitness hacks, you know. Mm. Um, so if I if I'm a slob now, which I am a little bit, I've got a bit of a gut <laughs> on me. But if I'm finding it hard to get my shit together, yeah. What what's? And I know this is really putting you on the spot and a and really hard question. But what's like what's like the the best thing you could do, or three things, or the best one thing you can do to like start yourself onto like a path to greatness. Um, well, there's, it works differently for everybody. I mean, yeah. um, I would say that I, I mentioned it earlier on, but uh, regularity with whatever you do is more important than intensity. Uh, now, some people might argue that. Mm. Yeah. So consistency. So doing something a small amount every day is going to achieve much greater results because long term you'll start to improve your intensity and your, and your duration. But if you go out of the gate trying to kill yourself doing some intense workout, your mind will rebel against that and you'll instantly say, no, I'm giving up before you've even really started. But if you just say to yourself, okay, instead of trying to do 100 push-ups, I'll do three push-ups today, and then you do three push-ups a day for a week. Next week, you do five, and then the week after that, it goes up to 10. And then you get to a point when you're happy with how many you're doing, you just keep doing it. Um, and that consistency is way more important than, than trying to kill yourself doing something unrealistic from the start. Um, I yeah. find that works best for most people. Um, and then the second thing I'll probably say, the second most powerful technique is accountability. Um, I don't know about you guys, but if someone's counting on me to be somewhere, I feel like a real asshole if I don't show up. So if I'm going to the gym or if I'm going for a run and I say to someone, I will see you there, then I will be there. Whereas if I'm only counting to myself, I could stay in bed. I could, you know, be lazy, whatever. But having someone counting on you is really important. Totally. That's totally true for me. And I think a big part of, uh, for people, a lot of people are like that. They're not self-motivated and you got to recognize that within yourself, you know, kind of admit like, oh my gosh, all right, I'm not that good at self-motivating and then try to create systems for yourself where, you know, you're accountable to somebody else. could be workout, Mm. work, whatever, you know. Tricking yourself. Uh, I I, I touch on this all the time about tricking myself. And so, so being part of a class, maybe going to, going to a yeah. A, what do you call it? Class of a, a fit. What do you call it? They do the fitness shit. I, I can't remember what it's called now. CrossFit. CrossFit yeah. class or something like that. Yeah. So okay, I, I love what you said there, and and I was just checking my phone there to see which podcast I listened to, and it was for us Zahabi. He was saying that consistency mm-hmm. and is, is a lot more is is a lot more important than intensity. Um, yeah. Like getting more workouts in on on a more consistent basis, rather than really wrecking yourself on any one workout. Yeah. So I love that. So consistency, small steps, finding motivation mm-hmm. among groups and other people. They're, they're th- yep. I love it. Uh, anything else? I'm good. That was great. I love that, Phil. You've been a wicked guest, man. This was great. No problem. Far Glad exceeded my expectations, man. Um, so. <laughs> Where, where, not, not that I had low expectations, mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I knew you were going to be great. Uh, so, where can people find you, buddy? Uh, well, I'm on Amazon, of course. If you uh, search me on Amazon for uh, Phil Pierce, uh, you'll find me on there. Or um, you can go to blackbeltfit.com. Uh, my books are on there as well. 
Um, but I have a wide variety of books on yeah, martial arts, meditation, fitness, that kind of stuff. Uh, and I'm working on some new ones as well. So keep an eye out for more nice. coming soon. Blackbeltfit.com, right? Yep, that's the one. Not much of a social media guy. Uh, I do have some, but actually social media are found to be such a distraction sometimes. Yeah. And because I tried to follow the Pareto principle of using your energy where you're going to get the most gains, I found social media didn't really help me that much. So I do have some. If you go to my website, you'll find it on there. And if you join my mailing list, you'll find it on there as well. But uh, cool. I don't do too much on, on social media. Um, more through my newsletters I send out and stuff oh, like that. Yes. I fucking, yeah, I'm right with you there, buddy. It's a time suck, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's start with you, Jimmy. Where can people can find you? Where can uh, people come find you? I think they can find me in mid-contemplation yeah. about maybe doing some meditation and some exercise. Oh, yeah. that's a good step. Nice. Uh, nice. Lo- location specific or nope. just in the ether? In the ether. Okay, yeah. <laughs> on, the, on the Ethereum blockchain. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah my, they can find friend. me on Twitter, at Willie Delius. And uh, yeah, I'm going to have a big meditation this week after this nudge of motivation from uh, Phil in, in this pod. <laughs> okay, you can awesome. find me at CryptoMickey on Twitter. You can find us at ThisStrange.Life on the interweb. You can find us at StrangeLifeThis on Twitter and the same on Instagram. You can email us at this strange life podcast at gmail.com this strange life podcast at gmail.com and come to our twitter page and you can get a link to our discord chat channel where we talk about all sorts of shit and you can come in and you can ask the guest questions and we'll put some questions to the guests and thank you riv for your questions today and i hope we we did you proud with that um yeah phil you've been a superstar mate thank you so much enjoy the rest of your day buddy uh, no problem. Take care, man. Uh, and Great tune in next you. week. Strangers, tune in next week. Love you all.
icons should be icons Shoot the icons, fuck the icons Icons should be icons Shoot the icons, fuck the icons Icons should be icons Shoot the icons, fuck the icons <laughs>